Welcome, world. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another another edition of the Ballin' is a Hobby podcast. I'm your co-host, Ed, Chris, J. Paul. How y'all feeling tonight? What's good? All good, bro. Oh, man. Feeling great, man. I can't complain. I'm, I'm ready to talk some shit this night, this evening, fellas. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm ready to talk some shit, but I'm, I'm gonna reserve myself until my opportunity comes, you know? I'm 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 gonna just kick it off with one. This this is something that happened years ago, and now this is being kind of brought back up. This malice in the palace, where these Von Artest was fucking fans up in the sands, <laughs> <laughs> and and now they got a documentary, um, documentary to really kind of delve into what really happened and, and how the whole shit played out. I saw the doc. I thought the doc was insightful. I feel like I kind of already knew what time it was. I felt like the fans were in the wrong from jump. And I feel like that documentary kind of further highlights that. But like, what was y'all take on it? Did any of y'all see the doc, first off? Yeah, I saw it. And the funny okay. thing is, I realized that, man, it could have been so many of those situations happened this year. After like when, um, you know, when the fans got back in the stands this year. Facts. People yeah. were, acting, were acting ass, right? So it's- That's true. That just, just let me know that. <laughs> yeah. True. I I saw it too and you know I think I remember when it happened thinking like that I didn't really think that it was that huge of a deal kind of like something that was like blown out of proportion I remember being shocked when Ron Artest got suspended for the whole season but one thing that I didn't really think about and this is the thing that I was wondering what you guys thought about was like you know they kind of painted as sort of being like a like a death knell to Jermaine O'Neal's career. And mm. obviously this had like a really, really big impact on on everybody um that was involved. But like I wanted to know what y'all thought about like like do you do you really do you think that that was what did it for him? Like, you know, they talk about him being like potentially like the face of the league before that in the documentary. Like was that really the case? Yeah. I felt that was a force. Yeah, like Jermaine O'Neal was good, but it was, yeah, it was good, like but that man was the second coming to Jordan. Like he no. was about to take it over until Artest got suspended. Like really, that's what did it for Jermaine O'Neal. <laughs> Artest was gone. How, my thing is, <laughs> if that was the case, right? How come Artest was able to turn around his career then, and you, like you weren't? Like it doesn't, you know. I think he still had a good yeah. career after that. He just, I think he just had injuries, right? Pretty, pretty much. I mean, he I did. I remember him getting hurt a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember on the Celtics hurt. Yeah, I don't. Man, think, that's right. He was with us. Yeah. Oh, did yeah. he ever win it? He never won a chip, right? He nah. might have as a reserve. I'm not sure. I thought he might have. So. He was with Golden State too, and the Heat also. So. And the Heat, right? Yeah, he might have mm. won at least one. I think he won at least one with Golden State. I'm pretty sure. I thought he won won one somewhere. He may not have been the centerpiece of it, but I don't think right. so. Yeah, yeah I, don't, you know, I don't think he won one. I think he went to Golden State right before they blew up. Maybe. I think he went there when um, maybe Curry was a rookie or whatever. I don't think he was there when they when they actually won it. What was it, fifteen, sixteen? Uh-huh. So yeah, it's I don't think he was there because like it's like I was talking to you guys about a couple weeks ago. Like you know, if you win it as a role player, I don't really people really don't care as much anyway. Be a legacy. One. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But, um, he may not have won one. You know it. You know, but. But that's that's I guess I, I guess I kind of agree that, you know, I don't know that it like derailed his career, but I also think that 
it made me sort of you know take do a double take about you know just how impactful a moment like that could have been you know and you know to Paul's point you know kind of dovetailing off of that how much worse it could have been like you know that whole brawl um you know it, it's it's kind of it's kind of a a, a miracle that that nobody died to be honest yeah, them fans uh-huh. could have got killed out that joint yeah. if Jermaine yeah. never Jermaine O'Neal never like slid on that punch that you yeah. definitely gonna die yeah. Yeah, I thought that was true. <laughs> One thing I thought that was true. Old boy got lucky. lucky. He got very lucky. He still got caught a little bit, but he was yep. lucky he didn't land like a full connect because that One thing would have been done. <clears throat> One thing I saw them talking about was oh, they were definitely gonna they think they were definitely gonna win the ship that year. I don't think that they they may have got out the east. I don't think they that's would, false. I don't think Lake- <laughs> yeah. Lake- Lakers was tight that they had lost to Detroit that previous year. They weren't about to lose to anybody. Oh, the Tony won that year, though, I believe. Oh, did they? Yeah, they beat the Pistons again. Ah, the Spurs. Year. Yeah, but like okay. I'm saying, like, that team, like, they had talent, but the, the, um, the Pacers, but they were a bunch of knuckleheads. Like, they really were, though. It was too. That's, that's what Danny Ball said in the document. They had too many knuckleheads on that team. You can have one or two, need one or two, but they had, like, everybody but Reggie was, was one of them. <laughs> Yo, I, I felt bad for Reggie. I felt bad for Reggie in that because he he was a baller back in the day, and that was his one opportunity to yeah. possibly get a ring. And I, I really think the opportunity was the year prior to the Mouse of the Palace when I they lost to Detroit yeah. in the East. That was the year. I think that was their moment. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, I kind of felt bad for him. Again, too many knuckleheads because Ronald Tassar they sure had a crucial foul, right? At the end of game six. That was yep. nonsense. Yeah. That sealed. Controversial call. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Artest has got that call called on him because he was Artest. <laughs> think anybody else they they might not have gotten that shit. You know? You know. He, <laughs> real talk. You're probably thing, right. The thing that stuck out to me, right, was how they said Jam- like Jamal, Jamal Tinsley started the whole thing off because he's like, oh, you could get your yes. now. Like, that was crazy. Yes. <laughs> I was Why telling my girl that. People? Yes. You that was it. Out of all people. <laughs> <laughs> what was he thinking? I wasn't thinking. Clearly not. That, 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 that whole thing was unnecessary. The game was in the bag. It was over. Yeah. I just it, it's like that was like I, I don't remember that part I don't know if you guys knew that that happened before you no, saw the document I, yeah, I certainly didn't but like I mean I don't even think it's hindsight 2020 it was uh, it. everybody knew back then that Ron Artest <laughs> had a couple screws loose yeah, so uh-huh. like what and you know what it reminded me of it reminds me of when LeBron was yelling at J.R. Smith right because he, because mm. he, because he like messed, because he was all not paying attention the game. to the block. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like that's like what? Like there were so many things that you could have done that were not that. <laughs> <laughs> Just my gosh, you know. But I will say this: like, I I was really, you know, I, I was really happy that you know that Ron Artest's career arc ended the way that it did. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, Reggie definitely got shafted, but you know, it was clear that Ron Artest had mental health issues. Um, and you know, when he got to the late by the time that he got to the Lakers, he was working on them, you know, mm-hmm. and 
and to be that open and honest and you know and introspective about what was happening at that time you know i think shows the kind of growth that he experienced after he left right and i think it, yeah sorry go ahead no nah, go ahead bro no i just think it helped with being on the lakers because on the lakers he's probably like the third fourth guy on the patriots he's probably like the first or second guy on those teams that's trying to win the chip so it wasn't going to work you know with the issues you had and you didn't have cats like a Kobe yeah. to really get in your shit and yeah. not be like, yeah, Kobe's not going to back down for nobody. <laughs> so <laughs> that that can kind of keep steering you in the right direction to, to help you grow. But I thought another thing that was interesting, Chris, you mentioned how once he got to L.A., Artest kind of started working on those mental issues. But it sounds like even during the Malice in the Palace, he even said on the documentary, like, yo, my therapist had said, look, you got to step back at times and yep. count to five and relax. So he's yep. like, yo, I went and laid on the scorer's table to count to five, to chill yep. out, gather myself before we move forward. And then a fan threw something and that was a wrap. But he yep. was trying to work on it right then. So that's a funny I thought thing. that was interesting. The funny thing watching it, because I mean, I'm a therapist, that's what I do, right? So, but like watching it, I could see, I could see that's what he was doing. I'm like, I see, I could see him in his head, like counting. You know what I mean? But the thing <laughs> is, perfect, why man. would you go do it there? Why would you yeah. like, count it? <laughs> that was a very unorthodox way to do it, but that, oh, was, that was his way. Right. But that's doc, a good point, bro. The doc was good because it showed how everything, it was just like a perfect storm. It showed how, like, you know, Ben Wallace is flinging off things off his arm, and they said how, like, you know, the fans, they're going to follow it too. I'm like, yo, that makes a lot of sense. And he went and laid down yeah. there. So it just, it's like a perfect storm of things, you know? Yeah, and, and it shows how coming to the palace in Detroit, that fan base, and even listening to the announcer announce the Pistons in the beginning, the shit yep. got me hyped. Like, yo, yeah. I guess beat they ass. Like, this dude is hyping up Wallace <laughs> way too much. So I can understand what Stephen Jackson was like. Bet we're about to roll, y'all. Keep it yep. up. Oh, it was like it's like you ever had like an issue with your family or friend or something, and then like you sit back later and, and piece it all together and analyze how it really happened. It's like wow, it was like everything was just right for it to happen. Just gasoline got thrown point on it. It just yep. seemed like that's what it was because I mean, even um, it was like everything was a perfect storm if you really think about it. Like I said, from throwing off the throwing off the things to yep. He had an issue with like his brother died before, so it's yeah. like you yep. about that too. So it was just like so many factors that contributed, and it's just like like I said, it was, before. A, it was a snowball effect. Yeah, Even exactly. Indiana losing to Detroit the year before, yeah, yeah. it was animosity. Like yo, we gotta like a, get these dudes. It's like back. a powder keg, you just needed a match, pretty much. <laughs> yep, yeah. and, and Jamal Tinsley was the <laughs> he was the match, and that was it. <laughs> but you know, yeah, go ahead. I, you know, um, you know, you talk about, you know, the context of, you know, of all of all of the things that happened to sort of make this night like the perfect powder keg. And the thing that really stuck with me was the aftermath of the media just calling all of them thugs, calling all of these players thugs. Right. Yep. Um, and, you know, it kind of. I don't want to say like it drugged me back, but it's sort of like, it sort of sparked like a flashback for me of remembering, you know, sort of like the image of the league or at least the way for trade um, back then. And then, you know, Stern's dress code policy, which was mm -hmm. in its own right. Um, and it got me to thinking, you know, about what, you know, 
what black men were portrayed as back then. And I wanted to know what you guys thought about that and, and you know, the role that the NBA played or didn't play in sort of portraying black men in, in, in society at that time. So, so I thought it was interesting because I'm not sure I can agree that it was necessarily the NBA that portrayed black men as a certain, you know, as thugs or as, you know, these wildcats that can't obey the rules. That was the media. That was CNN. That was ESPN. That was every single outlet available to talk anything. They were talking NBA and the thugs that are running the league and they don't know how to obey rules and they're running rampant. That was the media. I never actually saw David Stern or anybody personally tied to or paid by the NBA saying, hey, these cats are wild. They out yeah. of control. So I, so I, I would really blame the media I, on that. But, it was I, but the dress code was implemented I see like a few months after that, though. Yeah, yeah. And that, True. to yeah. me, True. was... I mean, I'm not saying the NBA placed, placed black men out as a product to say that they're this, that, and the third regarding, um, you know, with thugs. But they definitely, when that, when, when that backlash happened... Their definite response was, we're going to implement that dress code and we're going to have them dress and act conservatively as hell. And that's true. I, yep. So when I look back at that, that whole situation, you know, that's one of the first things that comes into my mind. Um, I think the perception of, you know, what happened with, the, with that whole incident, I think it just perpetuated the, the stereotypes of black men no matter what. And then the league had an image problem and they've always had an image problem. Um, mm-hmm. In regards to that, their perception, and so that's why they implemented what they did, and that's why you know they always try to gravitate towards certain things. I mean, that happened, the dress code, then the Kobe thing happened a little bit after that. I mean, there was like a series of events that yeah. happened in the NBA that just, from an image, image wise, just made the NBA look poor. So true. But my thing <laughs> yeah. is that like when people do things like, man, like. When, when people do, when people do things like what? No, what I mean, like, okay, they're trying to placate like certain racist people are gonna. Well, they're all like this type of way, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, even if you have somebody that's proper and everything, like even like with Obama, they're gonna say, oh well, he's just he's one of a kind. They always do stuff like that because I know for a fact, right? I know people. I know you guys know people, right? That like they watch all the sports, right? Or they watch most of them, like they watch football or whatever. You know, but then NBA comes around like, oh, you watching the game? You think they are like, no, nah, I'm not really into the NBA like that. So why? Mm-hmm. You know why? Into it though. I mean, well, <laughs> why? You're, you're football. You're into baseball, right? Why? Why you stopping with basketball? Because they don't see they don't see anybody they can relate, right? So that's that's all. I'm not talking to certain people. So I just feel like I'm starting with trying. That never works. I mean, if whoever sees them at the club. And doesn't have the nuance to see that you know they're not they're not that way. They're always gonna. I feel like they're always gonna feel that way. That's just my opinion. That's fact. No, no matter what kind of dress code or yeah. you know uniformity you try to place them in, it's still the same. With view. The suit. Well, why you got the chain on with the suit? Like, you know what I mean? like yeah, <laughs> there's always gonna be something. <laughs> so, so, go ahead, Chris. Nah, man, go ahead. I've been I've been running my mouth. Nah. So let me ask you all this. Let's say. This was a brawl with a few white basketball players and some black fans threw some shit down on them and they ended up going into the stands and wilding out on them. Would the media have done the same thing? 
would there have been a dress code implemented if these were white players that fucked up some fan, some black fans? Hockey fight. I mean, hockey, they don't go in the stands, but they fight all the time. Nah, hockey go in the stands. They had plenty of stuff oh, I saw back in the day where the hockey players went into the stands. Really? I, wanna, I can't remember, like, I can't remember the games, but yeah, hockey players have definitely gone to the stands and beat the hell mm-hmm. out of some people. Like, that's... They were doing it a, a minute ago. I mean, I can't remember the games, but like that's not a, a surprising thing. It's happened in other in other sports, but and, you, you know, know it, it was, was a different accepted. time and place. Yeah. Capital rights, right? If the roles were reversed, we all know how that goes. It's, it's the same type of facts. Thing. They would have never got into the fucking capital. They would have <laughs> exactly. been. Yeah, we already know where that would have went immediately. Mm-hmm. But well, well, go ahead, Chris. I don't know. I like. I, I truly don't know the answer to your question, Evan, because, um, you know, it, the league at that time, you know, I think even more so than now was dominated predominantly by black men. So, you know, I, I think I think that it's like it could still have been feasible maybe maybe it would be more of a discussion and, and wouldn't have felt i think i think stern took it as a mandate that something had to be done and maybe he wouldn't have thought about it you know or maybe he would have thought about it more so if it was you know if the roles were reversed but you know to y'all's point like you know it may not have been i mean i agree you know it was the media that was you know that was providing the opinion on you know on what uh you know these these basketball players were um but but to jared's point they were they they were basically just playing off of stereotypes that already existed right and those stereotypes are easily placed on a association of professional athletes that is predominantly black so like they you know they may not you know the nba may not have generated the stereotypes but they were you know the subject the subjects of it and and right. and it's an easy place it's low-hanging fruit it's an easier place to place yeah. your ire um, so should, they have, should they have done the um the that like put all those things in place that they did with like the dress code and everything you guys think that or they're just trying to placate yeah. to, to a certain yeah. audience yeah. and you know it's low-hanging fruit like chris said you, you have a majority black league you have african-american males you have supreme athletes, so they're jumping, dribbling, shooting at, you know, the highest levels <laughs> of human peakness, you know, in, bas- in basketball and stuff like that. And then you have an incident like this that happens with sta- in the fans, in the stands, and things occur. And so the low-hanging fruit is you need to, to rein them in. You need to get control. You can't let the quote-unquote inmates run the asylum, right? All mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Yeah you know, just feeds right into it. So I'm not surprised that they did it. I when it happened at the time it was controversial, I even remember. And a lot of the players didn't like it. But listen, they weren't about to lose million dollar checks either just for being upset. So they did what they needed to do. Yeah. Um yeah. and I think Iverson during that time period, to me it was like he was the to me, and I you know, there's there's so many others, but to me he was the quintessential oh, yeah. athlete that was like against everything. His whole image was anti Jordan to me. Jordan Mm -hmm. came in, I mean, originally he had the gold chain or whatever, and the band Jordans, and people were like, oh, he's he's edgy. But Iverson was on a whole different level. (laughs) He had the tats, he had the braids, he didn't speak like Mike. 
He didn't wear the suits like like he, he just was just different. Jordan did his thing like behind the scenes with the gambling, whatever he wanted to do. But Iverson was in your face with it. He was brash and he was just like that. And so that whole time period, you know, I just felt like it was a reflection of how the league was changing and players were slowly starting to realize the power that they had from an image perspective. And, you know, like I said, the Kobe thing happened, the 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 malice and the palace thing happened, the dress code happened. I just felt like the league was trying to get control over, over its players and its image at one time. So. Yeah, and they honestly probably could have had that up their sleeve for a while. And True. the Malice and the Palace just gave them that, like, bet. This mm. is our opportunity to rein these Negroes in right now. Like, That's let's do point. it. And I would bet if they did, like, an analysis of it, I bet you they didn't gain any more fans from whatever they thought they were trying to do. Like, whoever's watching, mm. whoever's watching, like... If you're a racist and you feel like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to watch these black people do this, dogs, you're always going to feel like whatever they put on the suit of regardless, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's possible, but, you know, I think that the, you know, I think that the point sort of, right, the, mm-hmm. the, the source of the angst that the media picked up on is, is the notion or the image of, you know, like the, the quote unquote good black man, right? The, or at least the docile one. Right. Mm. And so I think that, you know, that's where the sort of, you know, if you look at all of the the media that that they replayed in the documentary, mm-hmm. that's what the panic is about. Right. It's that it's Jared's point. Like the inmates are starting to run the asylum. They are demonstrating too much power. They're not performing in a way that makes us feel safe. Us being, you know, the media and, the, you know, the, the source of the stereotypes to begin with. So mm-hmm. I would I would question whether or not they lost fans. I don't know if, you know, I think it's possible that they could have. Um, you know, if if that's what, you know, casual basketball fans were expecting to see and then they see, you know, their their worst sort of nightmares, the the reason why, you know, you cross your street and clutch, you know, clutch your purse at night. Um <laughs> You know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they stop watching, you know, I, I don't know. I, but but it makes me wonder, you know, my other question is, you know, to, to Jared's point, even yours as well. Um, you know, did maybe maybe they shouldn't have enforced the dress code. Maybe they shouldn't have done what they did. Did it change? Do you guys think that it changed anything in terms of? the image or portrayal of of black men or do you think that it may have like played into the calculations of of players coming after the malice in the palace and how they wanted their own image to to be portrayed Mm. i mean i don't know but all i know is that like nobody was fighting at all for a while after it's only you know so like it just that's true it's good you sound like you missed it paul (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Paul sounds nostalgic. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say something. I didn't want to be ignorant, but like, yeah, I mean, once in a while, you know. <laughs> nah, but like, yeah, you just don't see it. Like, people just don't fight at all, you know. So I mean, but that's good though. It's true. And you know, one, yeah. One thing I did notice, even the cop in the documentary, he was saying how even that the NBA overreacted. Even he said that. So, based. Mm. Mm. I, I didn't like that the NBA well one to address your question Chris I think that it just helped further perpetuate what society already thinks about black people to be honest like it was it didn't change anything 
a certain population of the country or globally look at African Americans in a certain light. That just is what it is and has been for years. So when this happened, they was like, yep, there they go. Doing what mm. they do, wilding the fuck out, yep. attacking mm. fans. But I thought it was crazy how not once it didn't seem like the NBA ever addressed what started it. Outside of Jamal Tinsley wilding, but what really started it was the fan throwing the fucking cup. Like, that's what it was. So they never addressed, hey, maybe we have an issue with allowing fans to be this close to our players. Like, these fans get tickets, they get drunk, and they feel like our players are so accessible to them because they are. Like, shit, we can't... They feel almost like they're the owners as well. Yeah, like, we can do whatever the fuck they want. They're here for us, to entertain us. Like, entertain us. Let me throw this cup at you. Like, what the fuck did that fan think was going to happen when he threw a cup on crazy-ass Ron Artest? Nothing. <laughs> like, what... Exactly. He thought see, nothing was going to happen because he bought a ticket. Yeah. Yep. I don't know what NBA is doing now, but yeah. I just like... I like how they're doing where the fact that, oh, okay, well... You know, the standing up for social justice issues, whoever that offends, that's whoever that offends. I think they're doing fine. Because I said, their base audience is not going anywhere. You know, you're going to get a few people here and there. Might I mean, their main audience is, is what it is. You know? True. And I think the NBA is just riding the wave of social justice, just like yeah. the NFL. Like, everyone's just riding the wave because it's the end thing right we now. Can. But I'm saying, even they though the when to speak, though. Allow, they're allowing the players to do to speak and do what they have to do. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I appreciate it. But but I, I get what's behind that. It's not that they really yeah. give a fuck. They just know this is the hot thing. But when Kaepernick was doing it back, you know, a couple years ago, you know, we see what happened to that. But now, yeah. you know, it's acceptable to go after social justice. So, well, you know. I don't know. I'm I, not impressed. I, I think they're. I think that they're. They're different beasts, though. The NFL and the NBA, and I think, you know, I, I think that there might have been the calculation that this was good business, but like Jared was saying earlier, the players started also to realize their worth, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I I was I was listening to a little bit of um, of the shop the other day. And it was actually um, when LeBron was talking about, you know, the George Floyd murder and what the players were talking about and what they were deciding to do. Right. And there was there was and I know it's LeBron James and we know he's a walking franchise in and of himself. But, you know, what they were what they were talking about, there was no consideration, at least outwardly of what the owners might think or what silver might have thought and when you've got franchise players like that that are gonna say no we're doing this and you've got a whole team in the milwaukee bucks who are like yeah we might not play um (laughs) you know i I think it's i think there's a different i think there's got to be a different consideration for the nba than there does for the nfl and when you let that power when you when you you know when you have players that realize their power and they start to exercise it you know, pushing back may not, that may not be good business. Yeah. But the thing is, too, so, it's, like, it's like Ibn says, at the end of the day, none of them care, really. At the bottom, don't. But it, it's just the different players. You know, the NBA, the top players are different. Some of the play, top players in NFL being quarterbacks are white, right? And then, mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, you have different fan bases. Majority of the fan base NBA, I mean, they're mostly black or, or have, like, 
strong positive feelings for the black community. I feel like, but that's that's different than the NFL. So that's that's where that. Mm. Comes. Yeah, I just even if it is lip service, even I I don't know that they that the NBA gets away with sort of just letting it get swept under the rug, right? Like I think the players have more autonomy there than in the NFL. Yeah, I would agree, and especially with Silver at the helm. Like I like Adam Silver. Like yeah, he's, me too. He, he, he's coming and he definitely seems to be like the players, uh, you know, the, the players guy, which I can appreciate. And, and yeah. he, he's, he's, he's conscious, like he sees what's going on and he understands that in order to operate this business that's ran mostly by African-American players, I've yeah. got to let them kind of have their moments of, okay, this is a topic or this is an issue that they're passionate about. I gotta let them run with it, especially when you're seeing it all over the news, like the George Floyd thing. That was a big moment in America, so it's like you can't ignore that. So yeah, the Bucks say they're not playing. You kind of gotta roll with it yep. and see where it goes. So now that, that that's real. Um, I, I will say though that I felt it was, I felt that it was fucked up the way they kind of left our test and kind of kicked him out for the whole season. Meanwhile, we got Tim Tebow getting a fucking opportunity after eight years. I thought that was fucked up. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by Nice Touch Editing Services. Nice Touch Editing is your one-stop shop solution for all of your content writing and editing needs. Whether you're an author looking for an editor for your book manuscript, you need a resume and cover letter to go after that new job opportunity, or if you're a small business looking to go after that latest government contract, Nice Touch Editing is the premier writing and editing solution. Feel free to reach out, www.nicetouchediting.com. Nice Touch Editing Services. Now that's a nice touch. So Tim Tebow got released today by the Jacksonville Jaguars. My shocker. Issue, yo, shocker, because why the fuck was he on the field to begin with? Like, how, <laughs> Sway? How did that happen? You know? Look, <laughs> white person. I'll, 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 I'll put this up. First, I want to put out a disclaimer that, you know, I, I did not. <laughs> listen, I, this was not something that I was, like, looking to discuss. Um, you know, given my given my allegiances to my you know to my alma mater, but here yeah. here's how I feel. I, like, listen, I, I obviously there is you know I I do believe that there was you know there is white privilege at play here. Um, same same for you know Josh Rosen, who I think also got cut today, which I didn't even know he was still in the league. Um, yeah. but for Tebow, I think I feel like this. So. Urban Meyer was his coach at Florida. Um, And Urban Meyer is, in my opinion, trying to recreate what he thinks wins a championship in college for what wins a championship in the pros. So I, I always thought that he brought in Tebow not even to actually get an opportunity to make the team. That would have just been like a miracle and a bonus. 
but I think it was about instilling the culture that he wants to instill in the Jacksonville Jaguars. He also brought back Carlos Hyde, which I believe he coached as well. Um, do I play a little? What's that? Hyde can play a little though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he can. He can. Um, you know, but but T- Tebow was sort of like the engine that made his culture run. Um, and listen, do I think that that Tebow enjoys, you know, a an incredibly friendly media presence? Yes. Um, I cannot count how many times Tim Tebow has been mistakenly attributed to winning two national championships at the University of Florida when he only started for one. Um, <laughs> you know, and you know, I, I think that it's obvious that somebody who was out of the league for so long getting a shot obviously had to have some connection in order to be able to do that. I don't know that Tebow gets a shot at another team as a potential tight end other than one that was being run by his former coach. Um, you know, guys change positions all the time. Um, like Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver in college and got drafted as a quarterback. I um, never knew that, Chris. Yeah. That, that yeah. was a fun yeah. fact right there. Okay. So so he played he played uh, wide receiver at AM. He was actually a pretty damn good one too. Um mm-hmm. but but they, you know, he he decided to start working out as a quarterback because he thought he'd have a better future or a better potential um, in the NFL as that. But to your point, Ibn, you know, he he did that and was drafted as a quarterback. He did not start playing in the pros at one position, leave, and then try and come back and play another. Um, right. You know, right. so so I mean, I I I guess I don't feel, you know, I don't feel particularly like this is solely the results of white privilege, although that I do believe that it has followed Tebow throughout his career. So, mm-hmm. but I'm interested to hear everybody else's take on it. I mean, I don't blame, I don't blame Tebow for taking advantage of the white privilege. I blame the system, right? I mean, I can't, I can't blame, he's, do what he's supposed to do. If somebody give you opportunity, he's supposed to take it. But I mean, the opportunity should never been given. That's my thing with it. Facts. Yeah. And, and you talk about creating a culture, Chris, and it's like, well, one Urban Meyer, this isn't college. This is the NFL with players that are getting millions of dollars and I have families, they're not kids. Two, Tim Tebow sucks at a, as a quarterback. <laughs> you bring him in as a fucking tight end. So what does that do for the other tight ends that are battling for spots on your squad? And you see he brought in Tim Tebow. Actually gave that nigga a jersey, 85, and put him in a game as a tight end. Like, how is the rest of your team looking at you as a coach Already coming in from college, so they probably like, all right, you gotta earn our respect as an NFL coach. Mm-hmm. Then you bring in fucking Tebow, playing played in eight years, and you put him at tight end. That's and a disrespect. That's a disrespect to the tight end position as a whole, to the NFL, all NFL players that's trying to get a spot, and the players on Jacksonville in the tight end room. Now, how are and, they looking at Tebow? And Chris, I understand what you're saying, right? But um, how does how does the coach balance that with the fact that he embarrassed himself in the organization? That doesn't look good. I mean, it's not like he's it's not. You could do that if you're Bill Belichick. So you you're established, but he's this is first year. Yeah. So it's like you got to balance that. Like that's embarrassing. I think I think it's a good point, but I think here's here's what I can tell you about Urban Meyer. Um, you know, I never met him personally, um, but I know quite a few people that did. Um, you know, have interactions with him and 
you know, the man is like most head coaches is is not short of ego or belief in himself. Obviously, um, I think he's <laughs> leaning on what he believes wins. Like you know, and and to you know, he brought in Charlie Strong, who was his defensive coordinator at the University of Florida, to be the defensive coordinator in Jacksonville. Like, mm. like there, I think he is leaning on what he believes works, um, and I don't think he sees himself as embarrassing himself. Um, mm. And that in and of itself, you know, is probably worthy of discussion. But, but you know, that's why I think that he thinks that what he's doing, you know, and that what he did with Tebow um, made sense to him. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that Tebow should have switched to tight end before he got drafted as a quarterback. Um, me yes. being one of them. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I heard this, when I first heard this, you know, Tebow had his opportunity to, to switch positions um, the year that he Back got drafted then. and he refused. Yep. Um, and so for me, I'm like, well, you know, this is like, what, like eight years too late? Like, exactly. like, good job. You should have done this. You should have thought you should have thought this through with your agent when you were sitting, you know, talking to Ur- Urban and Dan Mullen when you were getting ready to leave. <laughs> um, you know, that, I mean, that's how I feel. But but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think that, you know, Tebow had an opportunity because you know him him and urban have a, have a very very close relationship and a lot of a lot of the nfl is based on relationships so and how you had to cut your boy yeah <laughs> that <laughs> must have been awkward <laughs> man yeah defy his mans yo <laughs> but you know to your point like urban Meyer, he's a cocky son of a bitch obviously because even before yeah. the second time like remember before he just came to the league and he hired that strength and conditioning coach who's, a, who's like a Klansman, right? Like, yep. that, made, <laughs> that shit made no sense to me right there. Like, oh, man. Like, the ball's on you. Like, you're just coming into a new league, right? Where majority of people are black. You know, that's a whole other thing. And mm-hmm. then you try to, like, bring this dude in. Word. It's ballsy yeah. and disrespectful, actually. Now I think about it. You know, it, it, and that was, I think that strength and conditioning coach was with him at Ohio State. Um, if I remember correctly, um, but you know, it, it, I wonder though, you know, what his mindset is because the majority of players that he's coached at the college level were also black. So, Mm. you know, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what goes into that sort of cognitive dissonance to the extent that it exists. I could tell you not giving a fuck. That's what, that's what. (laughs) Well, I think it's, I think it could be. You know, I'll take I'll take the naive sort of you know view of it. I think it could be that that's just his belief in you know in winning. Um, you know, his he he truly believes that he that he's the antidote. You know, um, and I mean, how many titles does he have? Three to his name mm-hmm. um, in college. So like, yeah. y- you know, he doesn't know the NFL, and this is why I've, I've thought, and I will go on record right now and saying that I think that he will be an unsuccessful NFL head coach. Um, I thought that from the very beginning. I think that bringing in all of these guys that were with you from yesteryear in the college days, um, you know, to try and now transition to the NFL is indicative of the fact that he has no idea what he's doing. Um, And he has no real sense of self-awareness of what he's walking into with the league. But when you bring it back to Tebow, if your goal is to try and replicate the culture that you believe is a winning one and you have the centerpiece of that culture the one that put it on the map to to begin with you know he goes you know i don't know if you guys 
remember, I think I'm remembering this correctly. He had Alex Smith at Utah, right? Like, so it's not like he hasn't coached guys that could play in the pro level, but everybody remembers what he was able to do with Tebow because he won a natty with him. If you have the opportunity to bring that in and you think it's really going to help you win, shouldn't you do that? Maybe he should have brought him in as some type of assistant coach to be a locker room voice. Yeah, you and help bring yeah. in the culture that way. But you bring him as a player where there's other players now competing with him for a spot, that ain't helping the culture, in my opinion. It's That's not helping making... the culture to get embarrassed neither because now all the players are looking you sideways like, this guy don't know you. Okay? That's true. That's true. And, and I'm not going to lie, I love the fact, and I wonder if this was playing, I don't know if you all saw, Tim Tebow did get one target and Tavon Austin just happened to be in the same vicinity running the same route and snatched that shit. I wonder (laughs) if they was like, yo, do not let Tebow catch a pass because he might (laughs) fuck around and get on the team just for that one catch. Make sure we get this cat out of here. That shit was hilarious to me. Ibn, you sound like you really don't like Tebow, huh? I don't. I don't. It's not that I don't like Tim Tebow. I don't like that he has ran with this privilege of keep getting these opportunities. Yeah, we see cats like Des Bryant and T.O. At, at one point who still had the skill and wanted to get in the league and then and capping it. They're not getting yeah. back in the league, but fucking Tim Tebow, who ain't played in eight years and who sucked as an NFL player, to be honest, gets gets an opportunity. Eight so, years later at a whole new position. I ain't like that shit at all. Let me let me throw some more at you, Ibn, too. Um, a little too. bit of history. And this this is what you get because I was there at the same time that Tebow was. Okay. Um, I said that, you know, Tebow's commonly mistaken for winning two national titles um, okay. at the University of Florida. The reason being, and if you're a college football junkie, you probably don't, you probably know this. And, you know, if you're a casual fan, you may not. The first title that the University of Florida won under Meyer was with Chris Leak, who was a black quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. yep. Chris Leak was a blue chip recruit out of North Carolina. And was the first, I believe he was the first true freshman to start at the University of Florida. He rewrote the record books at the University of Florida. And I think he still owns some conference records. But when Tebow came, everybody wanted to see him play. I mean, to the point where there were points in the stadium, there were points in the games where people were booing when Chris Leak would come back on the field because Tebow ran like a first like he, he ran nope. like a five yard like you know like a little like five yard uh <laughs> like dive up the middle um and so he he was interspersed throughout um you know chris leak's uh season that year when he was a freshman when tebow was a freshman um he was he had his own like package of plays mm. the other part the other part to this also is i don't know if you guys know this but on that team a couple of years later for the Gators was also Cam Newton. And oh, yeah. so Cam Newton, right? yeah. yeah, Cam Newton ultimately ended up transferring. Um, he got arrested for um, for allegedly stealing a laptop from a student. And wow. and uh, <laughs> and so, you know, the, the story was, you know, the story always was, well, you know, was that really like he got suspended like would that have happened if it was Tebow? Right? Like of course not. like it, it basically derailed his career at the University of Florida, uh, uh Cam Newton's, you know, and ultimately he ends up going to Blinn College and then Auburn and winning a natty on his own, but yeah. Um 
you know, when you talk about the privilege that follows Tebow, those are the things that, you know, that I think about, um, you know, and yeah. And, and yeah, the I remember, privilege I, goes on. I remember watching yeah. the games, though, and he was in college. Chris, you're right, because he would come on the field for leak, right? He would throw yep. a little two-yard jump pass or run like, like you said, a little five-yard something or whatever. And then he'd do his little gator, gator clap that he had with his hands, right? Come on, <laughs> the field. <laughs> Look, everybody, everybody does the gator chop. I ain't going to give that just to yeah, Tebow. Yeah, yeah. But to your point, like, it was it was like the great – you would have thought that he had, he'd run 90 yards down the field. Yep. <laughs> you know? And – I remember being around, um, you know, a couple of journalists at the time, journalism students who were like absolutely in love with him. And my whole point, my whole question to them was, well, what has he done? Like right. he's been on he's been on campus for like a season and a half. His sophomore year, we go down to LSU um, and he actually loses the game for us. Um, and it was a pretty high stakes game, if I remember correctly. And my point was like, you know, he hasn't done anything, but they're they're ready to crown him, despite the fact that Chris Leak was a generational talent at quarterback mm-hmm. in college, you know. But it's easy to overlook because that's you a got good, that's a good boy. point because I never saw him that way at college, even though like you were saying the stats and everything. I never saw Chris Leak just because of the way the coverage was. I never saw him that way. You know. Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah, I, I kind of remember him. I remember that name. No, I remember him. I just don't remember him being as good as what Chris is saying. And he, and he yeah. probably was just because of, like, the way they covered him and Tebow. You know? Look, yeah. I'm not taking away what Tebow did after. Like I've said before, mm-hmm. I think he's one of the greatest college football quarterbacks to have, you know, I think he's the greatest. But what? But, um, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I think he's I think he's the greatest college football quarterback. I do. <sighs> uh, All right. I haven't said much yeah. on the subject. It's 20 minutes in because I can't believe we're still talking about Tim Tebow. <laughs> I have not liked Tebow since God he was son, a Gator. God son. <laughs> I remember when Tebow was playing on the Broncos and they were coming to face the Patriots. And you know, I was scared because Tebow is God's son and I felt like he might actually have a chance against my Patriots. And then we smashed him. Of course we did. Tebow is just Tebow. Like, he's just the epitome of, of in the microcosm of everything that is privilege when it comes to sports or anything in life I don't understand why he got this opportunity you know I'm at the point now where I don't care I'm glad he was cut you know I, I saw he had his little um, this Twitter thing speech. yeah his, whatever whatever that was I mean <laughs> I don't know what he's retiring from or leaving to yeah, I do like but I guess it is what it is man <laughs> he he failed at football but he, he played hard and he did his great, great thing he's always going to have that national championship he's always going to say that he was a starting quarterback in the NFL and won a playoff game um, he did his baseball thing. He played hard, and I think he made it to to Double A. I'm not even sure, but I know he did his thing there, and he got a tryout as a as a tight end. I mean, did he deserve it? Probably not. But I feel like every day in life, I see people get stuff that they don't deserve. So it's really hard for me to go too hard on Tebow. But he is just a, a microcosm of how the system is. You know, you know the right people at the right time, and you present real well, and you get some opportunity, and you look right, right? So. That's kind of is for me. That, 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 that puts a bow on the Tebow conversation because, yeah, I think that's a good point, Jay. That pretty much sums it up. Like, yeah. me, ask you, me ask y'all a question, though, right? Because yeah. it just remind me, like, of how I said right, right, um, Urban Meyer, he tried to bring in that strength and conditioning coach. I just feel like we get, as a race, we get no respect in sports. Even though we run sports, we don't get any respect. Because, like, my thing is, if that was any other race, it would have never been allowed, like, 
you know, you see how the guy in, in the NBA, he said something about Jewish people and that you never hear from him again, right? You know, yeah. like, so, like, how is this guy, he's so racist, and you, if somebody's able to think that it's okay to bring him into the, you know, just bring him into the league of full of black right. Like, I just feel like we get no respect. It's amazing. Right. Right. <sighs> I, That's real. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. People are willing to overlook a lot for winning. That's all yeah. I got. That's you know. When it comes, but when it comes to certain people though, because but trust me, if he had said something about a Jewish guy or LGBTQ, it was you know not gonna overlook that for winning. I feel like because they know what's gonna come for them. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're saying that the costs might yeah. be different for certain people, Definitely. yeah, I, I I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of what Jared's saying when you say you know you see people all the time. Um, you know, get things that they may or may not deserve. Um, it goes both ways, right? <laughs> like you may not, you may not deserve to have your career ended over saying something silly, but it might happen if you're the wrong you. Yeah. Um, mm. You know. Okay. I mean, that's the, yeah. About. That's you know, speaking of opportunities and taking advantage of opportunities, this past weekend we had our first full week of preseason. Ugh. I don't know. I don't know about y'all. I was excited to see some of these rookie QBs get some burn to see what they could do. I got to see Trevor Lawrence, Justin right. Fields, uh, right. fucking Mac Jones from the Pats. Like, <laughs> what's up, Jay? You you didn't like? That? I mean, I just you know I just think it's a good opportunity. We were just talking about Cam and what he did and won a national championship and all that. And I will go on the record and say I think Cam was a better college quarterback than Tim Tebow. I, I know Chris doesn't agree with me because he thinks Tebow's the goat. For but yep. you know, all I know is that in the NFL, currently Cam Newton is the quarterback for the Patriots. But boy, when I get on Twitter and I read the reports in New England and Boston, <laughs> you would swear Mac Jones was better than Brady's ever been. I just read something earlier today where because the Patriots are playing, uh sorry, they're doing practices with the the Eagles, and <laughs> the reporter goes. Both QBs did really well today. Cam was something like 15 to 16 with a touchdown. No, it was like 14 to 16 with a ta- touchdown. And then <laughs> they go, Mac Jones had a great day as well. He was perfect. And then it goes, except for an interception he threw. Like, what, what does that <laughs> even mean? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what? Well, it's fact. How are you perfect except for an interception you threw? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that to me is, I'm not going to get into to Boston media and how they do things, but wow. there's clearly a narrative around Mac Jones, whether he deserves it or not. I don't know. I mean, I saw him play in the preseason and he didn't do anything spectacular to me. He didn't look like, he wasn't terrible, but it wasn't like, you know, the second coming of Brady who just mm-hmm. stepped out or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I I just feel like the narratives around these players, um, especially early in their careers, can be so decisive in how they go. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, if you start off really, really poorly, you know, in preseason and even in the regular season, you can go south quick. I mean, even for the Jets, uh, the guy, what's Chris? What's the the QB that they just traded to the Panthers? Um, what's his name? Sam Darnold. Zach. Yeah, yeah, Darnold. Yeah, Sam Darnold. Oh, Sam Darnold. Yeah, yeah, the okay, one they just sorry. traded, like when they picked him, yeah, the three or whatever. I mean, he yep. started off great in New York. Loved him. He had a couple of bad games, and it was just like a snowball effect. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, he wasn't great. 
but he definitely wasn't the worst QB I've ever seen. Like I'm no. just gonna keep it. They didn't have any talent around him. Well, exactly. For some reason, they they shipped him out for a new QB this year, who they picked number Zach two. Wilson. Yeah, yep. and you know I, I watched a couple of stuff with him. He was all right, but I, he wasn't setting the world on fire. You know, it's really early in the careers, but I just feel like the narrative the media creates around these guys has so much power and has so there much potential and you got to be really careful because I see right now that the media in Boston is really building up Mac Jones and whether he deserves it or not I don't know but as quickly as they build you up in Boston they will tear you down man they tear down Brady and to this day you can't tell me one thing that Brady didn't do right I guess for the Patriots but have them tell it he he gave up on them there his last season and all this other stuff really and, they say that oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. i think he so. gave up on the last season and he was trash and i'm like there was nobody wow. around him like they they had no team around him it's amazing they won 12 games that late year but um yeah so i enjoyed watching mac jones he was all right um I saw the QB for Chicago. I can't think of his name. Justin Fields. He looks like a great QB I'm going to pick for fantasy. I have no idea how he's going to be in real life. But I'm telling you, Evan, you better stay away from him. I'm coming up for fantasy. (laughs) And you better not touch him. Yo. Look, look, I'm watching. I, I like the. They always say the most popular, the most popular QB in the room is the next guy. Yeah. Right. Mm. And. And every time you get quarterbacks like this that are drafted so high, I, I think that I think it's almost automatic for the media to try and build hype because if you have a good quarterback, you have a face of your franchise, then you know I think that it makes everybody's job easier. Um, I I mean they they're doing the same thing with Trey Lance and listen I don't even think Trey Lance should see the field as a starting quarterback this year. Um, the kid played 17 games at North Dakota State. Like yeah. like you, you cannot tell me that he is so otherworldly that he's ready to play in the NFL. He looked um, solid though in, in that first preseason game. He, he had high. one good pass. Yeah, that that <laughs> in my he, right? Um, and how many times are, are you going to have people that wide open? Um, you know, for, for me, it's, it's like, it's the same with Justin Fields. It's the same with, with Zach, uh, you know, it, it's great that, you know, that they're having like good days, but there's no tape on these dudes. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Let me see what you look like at the beginning of week one of your second season. Mm-hmm. And that's when I'll start the measuring stick. I think that these players get an un, I think they get set up to fail especially the quarterbacks um, because the CBA now makes it easy for that to happen. These mm-hmm. deals are convenient for, for the teams to just move on. If it doesn't work out, you're talking about a position that is incredibly difficult to play that you are, that is basically night and day from the college game. Most of the, for the most of the time. And then for them dealing as professionals, like they need to sit like at least the first year, in my opinion, every quarterback that comes in the league, um, but that never happens. And so you're quickly disappointed because they're rookies and they're doing what rookies are supposed to do. And everybody gets shocked every year. <laughs> so, Chris, well, from talking to you, it doesn't seem like you like any of the quarterbacks that got drafted this year, huh? No. I mean, I, I personally, I, I don't think that any of the quarterbacks that got drafted should have been drafted as high as they were. Um, I don't think that um, any of them will be 
like amazing quarterbacks. Mm. Uh, I think that they will be average, decent. That includes Mac Jones. Um, mm. You know, and I think that a lot of it is going to depend on consistency in coaching and the talent that's around them to be able to cover up their weaknesses. Because I think that a lot of them have glaring weaknesses. So you think that sunshine is going to be a bust, huh? Sunshine's <laughs> going to be a bust, bro. Damn. Sunshine's going to be a bust. Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> that poor man. Listen, he's he's. A, I've heard great things about him. And, you know, something you might like about him, um, you know, that we all can, you know, I think get behind. He big ups. Um, you know, his teammates that have, you know, particularly black owned businesses, he, yep. you know, he rocks their t-shirts like he, you know, he'll pump them up on social media. He's a cool dude. Uh, he's got great arm strength. Uh, he's going to be a bust. Why? Damn. Why? Uh, Why do you feel that way? Uh, I feel that way because um, his last season in particular um, I think that he got exposed. Um, I think that he has a tendency to stare down receivers. I think he had the, the sort of like the luxury of having all world athletes around him at Clemson. Um, I think he can make all of the NFL throws, but I think he needs to be comfortable to do it. I don't know that he can throw guys open. Um, that takes a lot of anticipation. Um, yeah. And and so I, I just don't know if he's got the field vision to do it. Um, so that's personally why I don't think he's going to be like the next second coming. Mm. And I don't know if that mind's going to hold up because he got sacked a couple times in that first preseason game. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. is Jacksonville. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And as a rookie coming in, look at David Carr. That man came in. Whoa. He was a he was a big prospect, and he was taking a beating that first year or two, and he was done. Like that it can only man. take so many hits before that shit gets to your mental. It's like they don't make good <laughs> offensive lines anymore. <laughs> That's what I feel like. I feel like they don't make good offensive lines anymore. I feel like the NFL owes David Carr like and his family like some compensation for like what that man had to go through. Hey, that's why that's why they gave him the job on NFL Network. That's so true. Like, yo, here you go, bro. Like, take this. He sucked though, man. I'm not gonna front. He did suck though, because like he came to be a backup for my team. And like, you know, you in the league so so long, like he was still doing like stupid things, like he just seemed like a rookie quarterback when he played in the preseason. I'm like, so I don't think he ever was going to be good. I mean, I don't think they did him any favors, but just from watching him play, I mean, he had the physical tools, but just watching him play, I don't I don't think he was, he was all there mentally to make it, to be honest. I mean, I think after all those hits, what did your man <laughs> Sam Darnold say after playing Bill Belichick? He said, I think he said he was seeing ghosts. He's seeing That's ghosts. with David Carr. So many hits. Yep. Like, yeah, he's done. He's seeing Sam ghosts Darnold on the field. Never gonna be good. I don't think Darnold was ever going to like I think he had some of the physical tools, but like he just he just wasn't that good. Like the team didn't help him with the like Jarrett said would have had around him. But other than that, I don't think he's I don't know. Like we'll see in Carolina. I don't think he's gonna be hey, I think Donald's gonna be possibly like the most improved player this year. Might see? get that award. Yo, with I'm him, with McCaffrey, he got like a decent offense now with good. Carolina. Who did he have with the Jets? Good, though. He had <laughs> nobody with the Jets. He didn't. He didn't have anybody, but he he suffered from the same issue that he suffered yeah. at USC, which was throwing picks. Mm. Like he he was throwing picks all. Like he would he was good for like two picks a game at USC, um, and that's why I don't think he'd be good. I feel that. Listen, like Paul, I know you got like 
you got David Carr skeleton, but like it been said, like I don't know what was left of that man. And even worse for him, that poor man got to watch his little brother go on and have a halfway decent career with the Raiders. I know they trying to run him out of town, but like, yeah. <laughs> but he still has had more success. Whole bloodline, whole bloodline sucks. He sucks too. <laughs> we, we, we being honest right now. Yeah. yeah. He, he got, got an arm sparkly, though. Sparkly, he started, but he too. Now he's just garbage, no yeah. doubt. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Did he go from top ten to not mention it all? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Darnold, Darnold ain't got no heart in you. So how you gonna uh-huh. get on TV? Oh, I was seeing ghosts out there, man. Like you were surfing. Like, yeah. He got no heart, bro. <laughs> yeah, he was wrong for yourself. that. Like you can't. Yeah, exactly. You can't say that shit out loud, dude, to the media. Everybody, like, everybody sees that in the league, dog. Now everybody's coming after you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a target on your back. Like when Pedro said, "Oh, you know, the Yankees are my daddy or some shit." You don't say shit. Like that. Oh yeah, he done not that down for a year. That's what I'm saying. You don't say that shit to yourself, man. <laughs> yeah. I think I think John will be straight. Just check down to McCaffrey twenty times a game. Oh, yeah. Twenty times. He'll be good. Talk check about down. That. Check down, check like down, Donald. Check downs. He like to throw the home runs. Going picks. Okay. McCaffrey's nasty though. Yeah. I give it to you. Need a yeah. That boy's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll see. I'll be shocked if Donald's nice. Me too. Me too, Paul. I mean, I wish him the best. I never, you know, I never, w- unless you're playing the Patriots, you know, I never really wish any, you know, any player like misfortune or whatever. But I just, I, I don't see it. He's gonna have to show me. Yeah, we gonna see. Hey, speaking of, you gonna have to show me. I know y'all heard Tyreek Hill trying to race my man Bo. <laughs> I feel like Hill can. I feel like Hill can possibly compete. You feel me? Like I think no. Bo's got to show. Bo has to show me no. that he's still. Bo has to show you. <laughs> he got to show me. What? How long ago was that shit? When's the last time you seen Bo race? Tyreek Hill's not even the fastest dude in the NFL. But he's gonna no. be the record holder. Hey, I'm with, anything could happen, but unless Bolt like blow a blow a gasket or something. I'll, I mean, unless Bolt is just washed and been eating like Mickey D's all day, and he Hold hasn't on. been because he's been in commercials. So I'm not y'all. Y'all gotta watch. fill me in. <laughs> what in distance? What distance is the race? A hundred yard dash. There's <laughs> no way. Hundred yards? It's not a hundred meters. I think it's a hundred. Wasn't a hundred yard dash? I don't think it was a hundred meters. That Which I'm is worse for him. Sure. That's worse for him. <laughs> yeah, that's even worse. He wants it to go longer. Trust me. He yeah, wants it to go longer. He does not want it to be shorter. <laughs> I was about to say, if it's if it was forty yards, I I might give the edge to Hill. I actually what? still might give the I might give the edge to Hill in um in a hundred meters. You're wild. You're wild. Listen, man. I think it was pointing <laughs> a good one. A four two two hundred meter in sweats. Watch. Are y'all kidding me right now? <laughs> Listen, watch fast, fast twitch muscles, pants. everything. Y'all are, y'all are wild right now. I know I'm doing this for the part. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, done. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you, Jared. I don't see it unless that man hit a pebble or some shit. <laughs> Yo, y'all are crazy. <laughs> it's That's a it's a forty it's a forty meter dash. Just for clarification, forty meters. That That's what I'm seeing online, right bro. Now. I might give that to Hill. Real talk. No, I'm not. I'm not running. I like if because because Hill's got the get off. Like for me, like. 
I don't know if that's He's got the get time. off versus the fastest man <laughs> who's ever raced. Are we doing this right now? Is this really happening? Absolutely. Listen. Okay. You, All right. you, I'm going to let y'all you, go. I'm done. If you, got a, if you got 100 meters, you have you have time to get to a top speed. You don't have that if you're doing something so, like so, so just for further clarification, now I'm seeing on Yahoo Sports, Usain Bolt opened a 70-meter race against Tyree Kill. 70 meters? That, that's what Yahoo Sports is telling me. Mm, mm, I don't know. That gives that gives both enough time. I know Look. I've been seeing Tyreek Hill burn people on the field the last few years. I have not seen Bolt run. I couldn't tell you the last time. So I, I can't live in the past, Jay. I he ran a real, right? <laughs> Evan don't believe that shit. Nah, man. He trying to be I, the real talk. Nah, that's that's real shit though. Like how I don't can believe you, maybe when is I, believe, I don't think they believe that. Oh, when I, is the I, last I time you saw both race? When's the last time you heard him race or saw him race? It does matter. Did he race in Rio? Yes, he won. Yeah, he raced. Yeah, yeah he was in Rio one. in 2016. And he was washed. He won and he walked. He was washed <laughs> in Rio. Yeah. So he last raced five years ago. Is what you're telling me? No, he last raced in the Olympics five years ago. I think his last race might have been three or four years ago. <laughs> and he would still watch Tyreek Hill. Jared the man ran a four two two in sweats. <laughs> what are we talking about here? If there's any chance, if there's any chance that he could lose, he just wouldn't do it. Right. That's what I feel like. If he shows up, he's gonna win. Like that means he's trained or whatever. He's gonna train. Think, like yeah, and he's you, not gonna okay. embarrass him. All right. Yeah. Mm. Mm. The shorter, I, the shorter the distance, I give it to Hill. Yeah, I, 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 I give no. That. I think the longer the distance, I give it to Hill. <laughs> really? What was that? Yes. What was that kick returner, the, the the punt returner on the, the Bears back in the day. He needs a four hundred meter. Devin Hester. Devin Hester. I saw Hester. I saw Hester race a um a cheetah one time. He beat the cheetah, but she didn't know what the fuck going on because it's cheetah though. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> She just like she didn't know what the hell was going on. That's how he was. But I see. I mean, so you never, you never know. At this point, you never know. Okay? Yo, that's the funniest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> what? <laughs> you did. It was on one of the like science shows. We made shit up. Yo, Cheetah didn't. Cheetah didn't know what was going on. I mean, obviously that's how. He was. <laughs> Listen, Cheetah got four legs. He got time to react. <laughs> okay, no, that's that's a legitimate win for Devin. No. Yo, if the word. cheetah doesn't know what's going on, can you really race? Jared, don't <laughs> let facts get in the way of this story. No, I'm that's the funniest thing I've ever. I believe you. It's just the funniest thing I've ever heard about. Like, sports science shows or whatever, yo. Yep. Yo. I know what you're probably talking about. It was probably one of the yeah, sports yeah. science joints on ESPN. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, All right, I'm so winning. That, so you're saying. Hill is going to be. Nah, if I don't think be down, with you, Jared, I think. Man. If this I'm, goes down, I would put money. If this goes down, you I say bet we all do bet. Yo, I, I was going to say, where the side bets? Chris like, Gannon. Yeah. I put the money on the short of the distance, Hill, it goes to Hill. Like, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, I'm so serious. I won't put down, I'm not putting down crazy money. Listen, but, but I would, I would put down money that the shorter the distance it goes to hell. I don't think any of the distance it goes to hell. 
Not if he trains. <laughs> not if he shows up. Not if he trips. If he could lose, he gonna stay at home. I'm you. He's not about to lose to Tyreek Hill. Y'all are wild right now. If he at home, he's a world class Olympic athlete. Like he's not about to lose to Tyreek Hill, y'all. Jerk chicken and getting fat and curry goat. He ain't gonna come to it. Not a piece of He's not about to go out there like that. This is not Dipset versus the Locks. This is not. Not happening, bro. Fast twitch muscles. That's all I yeah. got to say. Yes, he has the fastest <laughs> ever. You're right. <laughs> you are correct, sir. I'm taking the man yes. who won the 100 meter and 200 meter with world records. Yep. I think the longer it goes, the better feel. Like they need to run like a thousand meters and then he'll win. That's what I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I could see that, but I still, I still think, I still think, you know. The shorter, the shorter the distance, man. I, I really think he would have the opportunity. So, yo, I'm gonna say them athletic, uh, the Olympic athletes. There's something else though, man. Like they've been embarrassing you, boy. Like I was watching, and I was watching the girls run the hundred with the hurdles. You know, like I used to run track. I saw the yeah. they ran that shit faster than I ran without the hurdles. I'm like, God damn. Yo, the hurdles. Was, the men and the women's hurdles were crazy because they yeah. did the. I can't remember which one it, it, it was on hurdles. NBC, but yeah, the hurdles. yeah, they they yep. broke the record and they were saying they ran the the final. Both of them ran the final so fast that they would have placed in the semifinals in the straight regular hundred four hundred meters. Like that's you jumped over hurdles so fast that's that in ridiculous. the Olympics you still would have been in the semifinals. And that that's, race, that's that's, that's insane. Like you, that's can't, that's unbelievable. Yeah, and you wild. think Tyreek Hill is about to come out? <laughs> nah, man. Ain't no hurdles, just, bro. I'm not, I'm not believing it. I'm not believing <laughs> Well, <laughs> listen. Somebody reach out to Usain, to Usain Bolt's people. And let's get this popping. We need to settle this. <laughs> it, it sounded like it is going to happen. I know it's going to be prime time. A prime time watch. Everybody's going to be tuning in. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. going to make a lot of money off of that. Absolutely. Shit, yep. me and Chris about to make some money off y'all too. Back I, mean, I might take y'all money, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to be the easiest to come get, off, get off this call to my, my wife. Hey, yo, baby, I'm money. He's gonna be like hitting the lick. Like, this boy really <laughs> thought he about to lose <laughs> to Tyree Kill. Like, are you no kidding way. me right now? <laughs> no way. Mm. Uh, hey, we, we, yeah, we gonna see. We gonna <laughs> see. Hey, Hey, what y'all? Something I want to bring up that, mm-hmm. that I noticed. What, what y'all think about this Lamelo Ball shit and his comment about pretty much fuck school, fuck education. Who needs it? That's not the the direct quote, but right, that's pretty right. much what I got from it. Where he's like, "Yeah, I didn't go to school and look at me." Yeah, I think Lamelo is in an interesting position because I think with all the stuff happening with college that, that Chris has talked about, that we all have talked about, you know, since the beginning of this pod the whole landscape of what it means now to be a young professional young athlete that's trying to turn professional right Mm -hmm. um and what it means to profit not only off of your 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 talent but all that comes with it your your likeness and everything like that and so you know his father lavar is super bombastic always in your face but if you could say one thing is he got his boys to believe in themselves, right? Mm-hmm. He put them in a position where they could execute and make financial gain off of their talents and their skill sets. 
Mm. And in the end of the day in America, you know, we are a capitalistic society. And if you ain't making money, you really ain't doing it. According to America. Now, that's not the code that I live by. Uh I think there's much more nuance in life than that. But I'm just going straight up on what it means to be successful technically in America is you need to be making money. Uh-huh. And if anything has taught us in the last, <laughs> oh, especially as a, a, an older millennial, as they call us, there's no correlation. There's no direct correlation between, uh, there is correlation, excuse me, between education and the money that you can make in life. But there are so many other ways to make money. Um, right. And you don't need to have the education from college or whatever to get to that place. Now, I chose that more traditional path um, and it was filled with some lies and stuff like that so when I see LaMelo say stuff like that like I get where he's coming from that makes sense to me he was playing professionally you know when he was a teenager he didn't go through that whole college process it put him in a different line of getting educated in a much different way and understanding all that type of stuff but he's here now and he's making millions his brother is making millions his other brother I think was on the Hornets um, in summer league, and he was balling out too from the yep. stuff that I saw. Right? Yep. Um, so yeah, there's a million ways to make money in this world, and it doesn't have to all correlate with education. Now, with that said, don't be a dumbass, right? Yeah. You, there's a lot of ways to get be intelligent person to understand what's going on in life, to understand your role and what you want to be in life, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to college to to do that to get that. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you shouldn't be well read and understand basics and economics so you can keep your money and keep your bread so you understand you know how money can work for you so you can understand you know the system itself that we live in um and understand the rights that you have as a person within america and the history behind that i mean there's so many different ways to get educated in this country so you know i i agree and understand why he said that but i don't agree with you know the with everything that yeah Yeah, the delivery but it's on point for his generation like that's that's how that generation acts and i get that i mean the nba has kind of set it up where they try to force you until more recently to go to college for a year before you get into um the nba and there's a lot of you know young cats circumventing that whole process now by going overseas or going to the uh what is it called now the g league and getting like Uh that hundred fifty thousand dollar contract or whatever or you know, yeah. do whatever you got to do so, th- so they can make money because they don't really want to go that path. And that's going back to what we said in the first part, I think, about college basketball dime because it's just they don't play the game the same way and they're not attracting the athletes and playing that the style of play that will highlight the individual like the NBA does. And so they just kind of circumvent that whole process to get to where they want to get to because they realize that in order to make the most money in NBA, you got to win and you got to showcase your skill set. And, you know, uh-huh. LaMelo, I think, is a good a good example of that. I mean, he didn't even play the full season, but they were talking about LaMelo from his passes to his shooting to the energy he brought. So I get what the young man was saying, but I don't yeah. necessarily agree with all of it. Yeah, he would have been looking at the year if he would have stayed healthy. My thing, my thing with him is just that he's young, so I give him a pass. But just like how he expressed it. Mm-hmm. He didn't sound intelligent. That's the only thing I didn't like. But for like the basis of what he's saying, it it does make sense. It's true. Although, I mean, not everybody's gonna have the same experience as him, obviously, and be able to go the same route as him. Right. But my thing is that, yeah, I mean, what he's saying is true. I mean, just in general, in America, they need to redo how they they have the whole education system set up anyway, because 
nobody's learning anything. So I mean that's <laughs> that's that's a case in point of, of itself. But I mean even obviously like you know I, I have my masters, but I mean I didn't like I learned everything once I finished in my career, like just starting to work. I really didn't even mm-hmm. in my master's program. I mean forget about like high school and college. I mean they just they don't teach you anything really. Like you said, to be honest, I mean I mean certain things you learn, but just the whole education system has to be re-figured, re-figured out. Basically. You know, yeah. um, I I thought it, it it made me think about um, two things. It made me think about Cardell Jones, um, who played at Ohio State, and and he he I think he tweeted, you know, something about um, being I mean basically being upset about frankly i think having to go into class and and i remember him saying like we don't play school right like we go to school to play football we we don't play school and you know and ben simmons who while he was at lsu was very transparent about the fact that he was literally there like i'd said before just to you know just to bide his time to go to the league yep um and then i think about myself like you know if I, I, you know, like Paul, like, you know, I've got, I've got a few degrees. Yeah. Um, and, but at the same time, I feel like there's so much that I am learning now about what it means to be able to make money, even though I understood the concept of multiple streams of income. I feel like, you know, the education system taught me how to learn and it taught me how to be an employee and it taught me yep. how to follow instructions but it didn't really teach me, you know, the game of capitalism. Um, Mm -hmm. I think though that the concern that I have with reading something like what LaMelo said or what, or what Cardell said, you know, or what Ben Simmons said is that, you know, like Paul said, they are the exceptions to the exceptions when it comes to their chosen profession. Um, You know, the 0.001% of kids will get to their level. Um, and education is the way for everybody else to kind of, you know, to, to, to raise your floor. Right. And, and so there's nothing wrong with, you know, with doing it the way that you, you know, the way that you can, but I asked myself this and I've asked myself this before about the ball kids, like, yes, they, they are successful by, you know, by most stretches of the imagination in America because they're able to live off of their talent, but that dynamic that they have with their father and the, you know, and the ends, do the ends justify the means? Like maybe they would have preferred to have, you know, an education, you know, or, or gone the route of getting an education so that they could have a father that was not at the forefront of screaming, you know, at Stephen A. Smith on first take, you know, to, to try and promote them and, and get their careers off the ground. Uh, Cause they had to deal with that too, you know, like, and, you know, listen, I'm not saying that, you know, that money can't buy happiness because I don't necessarily believe that. I think there's more to happiness than money. But, you know, it, it makes me wonder if they think that is worth it. Uh, I mean, well, you sound like he thinks true. it is from what he's saying, at least in that quote. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's he, fair. He definitely sounded like that. Yeah. But they don't know any different. That's true. Right. Like they don't they don't know anything other than what their father has, you know, has been to them, you know, up to this point in their lives. You know what happens when when ball is gone 
and I, I guess you could mean that both literally and metaphorically. Like, what happens when their father's gone? What happens Boy. when their career's over? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what are you left with? Well, if you left with money, did you really win? I, so yeah, I think to your point, Chris, and to Paul, your point, the problem that I had with the quote, you know, as I, I as I said, is superficially like you look at it in a young kid who doesn't have that depth of knowledge or even understand how to get to that depth of knowledge will read and say f school like clearly i can just get to the league blah 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 and do x y and z but you know being i think we're more educated we have life experiences we've seen things we've all made money in multiple different ways to me, that quote also can read like, you don't need to necessarily go the college route to get money in this world. Nope. And I think yep. the danger <laughs> in that is is not as bad because I feel like right now, the way the education system is set up, you know, whether you're getting your master's or getting a professional degree or PhD, in certain circumstances, you could be forking over all types of money in order to get a limited opportunity for something that you may never be able to pay back, right? Versus if you really went to a trade like my dad did back in the day and did that really well, or you became an electrician or something to that effect, you can easily make six figures, have your own business, and you're always in demand because people just aren't doing that, right? There's a lot of different ways to make money and get educated, I think, but, you know, when a younger kid reads that, that that doesn't understand that part of it, um, that he's not really school. talking about going to the league, that there's just a million ways to make money in this world, even in the uh -huh. society. I think that's where it can get misconstrued, right? I think that's where the mess up is. So, but it's not his job to explain that, right? Yeah. I mean, he's he's an athlete. It's not his job to break it down to that right. level. That's on parents. That's on yeah. everybody else to kind of impart that into their children and stuff like that. So that's how I view it. It's, I mean, yeah. my thing is, is there's America, right? You got to do what you have to do to get to the bag. That's all. I mean, you just have yep. to use your brain. Like, I mean, that's that's the only thing. Whatever whatever your chosen field or your lane, whatever that calls for, you just have to do that, whatever it is. Like, for me, I, I had to I had to get my master's. Hey, bro, right. knows, nobody hates school more than me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm I hate that shit. This but is I true. Just, I had to do what I had to do. So, and I did it. It's not because I liked it. It's not because I felt that, oh, I, I learned just so very much. Like, it's just what was required. So I, right. it's, it's not what was required for what for his lane. So I was. I but did they have that. a choice? That that's yeah. sort of my question, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> they had the, they have their father. I mean, obviously they were playing ball before they got to the league. Like, it's not like Levar Ball was going around talking that, about his you know sons being being God's gift before you know he knew whether or not they had some kind of talent. But but you know, if you look at just the public sort of the yeah. public persona of Levar Ball, he he himself was their biggest he was don king for them like uh -huh. he he was pushing their careers before they actually had their careers off the ground Did, and that's my that's my question i mean like to all to all of y'all like you know like do, do you want your kids to be able to to succeed in in one lane or do you want to give them like choices and is is that really you know is that the the sort of like the rub there um, you know, when it comes to LeVar Ball, because for me, it's like, listen, if if my kids, you know, if, if both if my girls or my son, you know, are athletically gifted and they want to go for it. Yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to help them and support them, um, you know, to follow their dream as far as they can. 
but I don't see myself, you know, trying to railroad them or pigeonhole them into that, even if they are great at it, you know, because um, for me, it's they they've got to want it that badly. I feel um, like they I feel like they do, though, because that's why I feel like they're so good. I feel like they wouldn't be so good if they if he was just pushing them. You would see it like you would see cracks like and say something similar. Like I don't know if you can be great at something that you have a disdain for. Yeah. Because you in, in order to be great, yes, you can be pushed, but it's still you at the end of the day, mentally, that I got gotta prepare every day. Physically that has to prepare. Even with someone pushing you, if you're not feeling whatever it is you're being pushed towards, I don't see you reaching greatness in that. So I think that they do want to be in that arena of playing ball and making it in the league. I, I think their father just saw they had the talent and pushed it from an early start. But yeah. I, I don't think he necessarily forced them into a box. Because I even don't look, think they would all be this good. Even look at the middle. Even look at the middle child. He's he's the least talented, but like he keeps trying to make it. So I, he could easily fall back. The family's rich. He could easily fall back if he wants to do something else. But I mean, it just seems like that's what he wants. So I don't feel mm-hmm. like he's forcing him to do anything, you know. But we don't know at the end of the day. Yeah, that's like, true. Right. It could all just be trying to, you know, the, the middle one that's not as good. He just wants to show his father he can be as good as the rest of them. So that that could drive him to keep pursuing it. Even if he doesn't necessarily love it, he just wants that approval because he sees He's his bugging. siblings doing it. He bugging. I would try to do something. <laughs> no, I would try to do something else. I'm obviously not as talented as them. I would find my other lane. That's what I would do. But teachers on Yeah. No, that's real. That's real. Man, yo, hey fellas, this was a great combo today. This, this shit, I, I enjoyed this shit. Everyone else out there listening, I know y'all gonna enjoy this shit. If y'all got questions, if y'all wanna reach out to us, make sure you're following us on Instagram. Ballin' is a hobby podcast. Yo, I wanna leave y'all with a I wanna leave y'all with a joke though. Did y'all see in the um <laughs> in the documentary, right? When uh Ron Artest went to the back. And he asked his teammates, yo, do y'all think we're going to get in trouble? I thought that was so funny. <laughs> and Jermaine O'Neal said, the fuck do you think? And then yeah, about to attack you guys. That shit funny as hell. And Ron there, boy. <laughs> listen, listen. Ron Artest lives in the moment all the time. <laughs> no, he ain't thinking about again. no consequences. <laughs> I don't even know what his name is at this point. It's like Meta. It's not even Meta World Peace anymore. He changed yeah. it back to Ron. Now it's Meta something. Something up. <laughs> Man, he's out for lunch. Huh? <laughs> Live in the moment. That's the lesson. Live in the moment, people. <laughs> That's it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs>